everybody. Welcome to season two, episode 29 of Belgariad and Beyond, the show where we explore magical reality through fiction, chapter by chapter. And we've begun with the Belgariad series of books by David Eddings. This season, we're reading book two, Queen of Sorcery. And today we're diving into chapter 28. My name is Sandra Turnbull. I'm from the Goddess Kindled Universe. I'm an indie author of Magical Realism and I teach Magical Realism too every now and then. I'm here with my partner, Alicia. Hey guys, I'm Alicia, <laughs> fiction author. <laughs> I'm like this wave of blah, words and words and words and words. And Alicia's seen that go, ah. <laughs> <laughs> hit her in the face no no I am somebody of few words I always have been and that's okay I don't mind I like sitting and listening but I know this is a conversation to be had so I join in <laughs> <laughs> welcome to another show everybody we're nearly at the end of book two mm-hmm I was going to post in the private group this morning and I forgot. Oh. That's me. I, I think it and then if I don't do it right that minute, then it's just gone. What were you going to post about? About um, being so close to the end <gasps> of the book and like uh -huh. how I'm really excited. Like the end of the first book, I was kind of like, okay, it's ending. Uh -huh. You know, whatever. But at the end of this one, I'm like, I feel like there's a good ending coming mm -hmm. and then I'm going to be excited to get into the next book. So yep. it's, I'm feeling the momentum. Yep. 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 So, well, yeah. go in there after the show, after we record. Oh, sorry. I'm sniffing. Mm -hmm. I was just talking in before the show about having to cut out all the sniffing. <laughs> uh, yeah. I think I remember that episode. <laughs> I might, it might have been that, that week I had the cold. Oh, I don't know. I, I had know. a cold and you had a cold. And anyway, everybody has that cold right now. <laughs> really? the, oh. the coronavirus. Do you guys have that over there? Oh, yeah, that's going on. The panic, panic, panic. No, I just had a normal everyday cold. It's gone now. Yeah. That's what everyone keeps telling. Every time someone gets a cold, you might have the coronavirus. I'm like, yeah, if you say it out loud like that, then maybe you will get the coronavirus. How about we just don't talk about it? <laughs> well, you know, I have so many, so many opinions about this. So many opinions. <laughs> I think there would be a lot of haters if I aired my opinions. Uh, so I'm just not going to. Let's talk about what's in your cup instead. Polgara's <laughs> cup. Sounds good. <laughs> Sounds good. Polgar's cup. I have just a warm cup of decaf coffee this week because that's my favorite drink. And last week feeling really at home within myself mm -hmm. so that the outside world doesn't seem to matter really. But it, you know, I don't mean that. Um, in a dismissing way that like oh that, none of that matters I don't care about any of it I no. just mean that it doesn't it doesn't um, have power over me for the mm -hmm. most part yeah certain aspects are still really dense right now but for the most part it's just like this peaceful sensation as I go through the day I just 
I can feel it within me and it's starting to like emanate out mm-hmm. into everything. Yeah, so, um, and then I went to that Tony Robbins event on Saturday night, which was, it was a lot of fun. It was yeah. a really good environment, different level of people that I'm usually around uh, that were there. And it was really interesting just to be in that uh-huh. environment of these people who are like changing the world, who are, they have that passion to make a difference. And then we did a meditation with like the whole room, which was like 500 or more people. Is that the first then, time you've done a, like a big group meditation? Mm-mm, no, but this one felt really powerful because he was having us, like we were holding, we had our hands like this as uh-huh. if we were holding the globe in front of us, a globe, but it was the real world, the real earth. And then we were sending our energy from out of our hands into the earth. Mm-hmm. to heal all of the people yep the minds because tony robbins causes of saving kids from human trafficking and abuse and so it was kind of like that idea mm-hmm. as the meditation began but it was just you can feel and then he had us all imagine there was a a light above our head a glowing mm-hmm. light and so i could just feel like everybody's light on top of their head around me Mm-hmm. Even though I wasn't looking, I had my eyes closed. I could just sense all of them there lighting up the room. And it was just, it was like magic. And that, so that was really. That is vision, my darling. That's not seeing. Yeah. With mm-hmm. That's vision. All with the that. senses, right? Yeah. You don't see, it's not seeing with your eyes, but it's. It's a vision. It's vision. It's seeing what mm-hmm. is true. Yeah. So it was really like that had me feeling really like lifted up as it was towards the end before we left. And so it was a really good um, opportunity just for me to see like the kind of people I want to be around is more like more of those kinds of people. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so I, yeah, I'm continuing looking into speaking opportunities where I can like elevate myself to that level of authority so that I can start drawing in more people that are on that level yeah I think that you would actually be a really good speaker yeah Yeah. it's it's funny because I was I was on a podcast last week and I was um the girl I was speaking with told me that I was such an amazing speaker Mm-hmm. and I was like oh wow you know I, I told her I was like that meant a lot because yeah. I, I don't nobody's ever really said that and no. uh, I'll tell you because over... I'm quiet I always felt yeah you're quiet but you're not passive and you're not mm-hmm. meek yeah when you and and as we've been doing this show like over the last couple of years of the way that you speak about what you believe now Mm -hmm. you know you are more vulnerable you're more open and you are so clear about what you think and you're not afraid to say what you think now because it doesn't mean you have to be thinking the same thing next week 
because next week it might be different and you can articulate it there and you go oh this is where I was in and this is where I am now and each time you're just really clear and quiet but it's not passive mm -hmm. yeah well thank you for telling me that it helps to hear it because yeah I do want to and I I'm starting to see that, yeah, you don't have to have the loud voice to be a speaker. No. And the first person who opened my eyes to that was Eckhart Tolle, because if you've ever watched him speak. <gasps> Isn't he just adorable? Oh he is the cutest man I've ever seen. Like, <laughs> I, saw him live. I saw him live on stage in Brisbane one, year, one time years ago, like oh, years and years ago. Oh, I would love <sighs> to see him live. I watch yeah. his videos a lot, and I yeah. love the way he will just stop and he'll just look out or he'll look at the camera and like 30 seconds or a minute goes by and he's not said a word <laughs> he's just but he's he's there he is observing and he is very aware of the message that's about to come through it's him. like yep just waiting for it to come just waiting for it to arrive <laughs> i love that <laughs> i mean most people probably that would drive them insane to watch but oh, i love no. it i love it it makes me smile and i get like chills through me every time he yeah. does that yeah, it's so good. Creating that space. Oh, yeah. Beautiful. So he's so my inspiration as okay. a speaker. That's... that's not a bad one to have. <laughs> yeah. So how about you? How was your week? Okay, so, well, I was trying to think of my week. I had a really peaceful kind of week. Kind of. <laughs> kind of. So my potion this week it's along the same lines as yours, actually. Mine is hot chocolate with cinnamon. Uh, just like the weather's been really, it's turned really cold. Like we had that snow and then it got really icy. And then I thought, okay, it'll warm up now. But it hasn't. Like I've had the heater on in my studio. I'm like, And so I just wanted something in my cup that was like comforting. Comforting and like yummy and... Um, you know, because all of this is sort of going on, going on outside of me. Like, and I, like the seasons are turning, the buds are coming out on all the trees. I was talking about this last week, I think. And so I expected it to keep going, but there's been this cold sort of snap. And it feels like that inside me as well. Like I was heading on this, like, yep, yep, everything's starting to be all rosy and everything's fine and like oh, yes I can relax and feel calm about you know daughters and life and whatever yeah and then this week all of a sudden it's been uh like the voice in my head has been just really doing a number on me telling me stories about you know how I need to worry about my daughters the reasons why I should be worried about them and you know my work I've been I've kind of gone into this holding pattern that I tend to go into where I'm doing a lot of churning 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 rather than just doing the work mm -hmm. rather than just sitting and allowing myself to do the work I get stuck in this place where it's really it's 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 strange I know that I'm there I'm doing busy work like stuff that I could do any time but I'm doing it now mm -hmm. rather than doing the work that needs to be done. Right. And it's, it's kind of the same churn, 
churning effect that this voice has on my emotional body. So my mental body gets kind of caught up in this same churn. So um, it's like mm-hmm. hitting me on all levels, this physical, uh, the unexpected physical sensations of still being cold and getting colder. And then all of this other stuff happening on mental and emotional levels. And, and so I just felt like I needed something a bit comforting this week. So I can just hook in and it's been, it's taken a really like a lot of effort to uh, kind of hook into the peace underneath all of that. Mm -hmm. Um, This week it's felt really choppy oceans on the top, you know, trying to get down to the deeper, calmer water, even if it's fucking freezing down there, that's where, you know, it's just like I just can't quite get there. Just or I get down there and it pops straight back up again. So that's where I am this week. Mm. Yeah, when that worry gets in there, it's hard sometimes to just kick it out. Mm-hmm. It wants to keep spinning once it has its hold. And it was so helpful. I know that game too well. Um, I was, you know, Hanukkah came home. And I must have looked a bit wild-eyed. <laughs> She's like, what's, what's wrong? I'm like, oh, nothing, 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 nothing. She said, yeah, well, when you say nothing more than once, I know that something's wrong. <laughs> <laughs> and just saying it out loud to her, like talking about the thing that had me spinning, one of the things. Mm-hmm. And she just said a couple of true things. Right. And I stopped and it stopped me kind of like just halted that spinning. Mm -hmm. And I went, oh, and I could feel myself sinking into that piece that I've been looking for, like trying to get through. So through to. Yeah. (sighs) Yeah. So it's helpful to say stuff out loud, my darlings. Say it out loud to someone you trust. And let them help you stop spinning. Yeah, definitely. I learned that finally within like the last year or two, that that is the way to stop myself from that cycle is you have to have some safe people that you can go say anything to and know you'll get what you need back or it'll just like drop from you by saying it to them. It's such a great feeling. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's good that you have that in your partner. Yeah. You know. I feel it. Yeah. It's amazing. So. Okay. What's happening this Rinse week? It. What's Garion's view? <laughs> All right. So this chapter. Gary and we start with Gary and he's in this like haze of being drugged from whatever they've been giving him to drink and he is spending a lot of time with Samistra and he's torn between this attraction he feels but he's also kind of in a stupor he doesn't really feel anything but then he also still feels a weird attraction to her but also kind of a weird repulsion at the same time um, as she's like there just trying to seduce him for what purpose I'm not too sure if she wants to eat him or 
sleep with her. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> but she's definitely trying to seduce him. But then they get interrupted because I can never say his name. Is it Tuchik? Tuchik. Tuchik. Distracts her because he comes in. And they say he's here to visit. And so he comes in to give her message. She tries to make a deal with him around um, Torak. And that she clues us in that she knows more than most people think she does. And um, and so they're having this kind of discussion about what who's going to take Gary in and what's going to happen. And um, But then somebody else runs in in a panic and says that the sun has gone out. The world is ending. It's noon, but there's no sun. And the chapter ends. So I, in my head, I was like, that's for prediction time. But I was like, that's Mr. Wolf. He is here. He is creating hell <laughs> to save his Garion. <laughs> oh, very cool. Yes, we've gotten to the exciting stuff. I keep feeling like I want to burst out into song. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It was a good chapter. Oh. I'm going to open my book. So, uh, oh, excuse me. Yeah, it's it's so it starts off with him in the stupor, and that he's had. They made him drink some other things. He doesn't know what they were. I do love um, the description of his, like what he, how he's experiencing the world yeah. with all of this narcotic inside of him. Um, like, and this yeah. is the first time I've really taken the time to read all of these descriptions because by this time in the book, you can imagine it's exciting when you're not reading one chapter at a time, it's like, oh, what's going to happen? What's going to happen? What's going to happen? And so by the time I get to this point in the book, I'm like, yep, just zip through right. it. And, but this time, yeah, I like yeah. This this particular description really just was so beautiful. The lamps sparkled like jewels, casting out brilliant colours in slow falling showers. Oh, I could see it. It was just beautiful. Yeah. Or the part with his, he even shed one crystal tear over his loss. But the tear landed on his wrist and sparkled with such unearthly beauty that he lost himself utterly in contemplating it. I know, right? It's just, like, oh, gorgeous, gorgeous. So, yeah, I really like talking that. about, yeah, the loss was talking about that he kind of felt, he felt like he remembered his friends, but yeah. didn't, which is very enough to really care. Yeah, like it was just like, oh, that's sad. And it was the sensation of his emotions <laughs> shifting that um, it was so, it was, it was, it was quite beautiful. This, this, this melancholy inside of him. Like, so he's appreciating his, his emotions and, and sensations on a whole different level. Yeah. Um, and then it shifts to the Queen and Mars talking. Mm-hmm. about how Garion uh, repelled Essia. Yeah. And um, the snake seems to know a lot about 
about what's going on inside his Hungarian yeah. mind. This is, I have always wanted to know more about Mus. Ever since, ever since right. the first time, like, that's a really interesting, I want to, I'm going to say character because he's got dialogue. It, or it's got dialogue. It has a personality. It's not just a creature. But yeah, I, I want to know more about Mars and why he knows these things and how, you know, where does his, where does, where does its power come from? I know. I was interested in that too. But he knows that Garion has power and that's very strong. And he mm. warns Selmistra, like, you need to be careful with him, with this one. He calls yes. him it, you know, careful with it. But Selmistra is, is very confident, almost to the point of what's the word? You're overconfident. Can't think of it. Well, she's very. But she arrogant. doesn't doubt she, herself. She's no. She's very arrogant. That's it. Arrogant. And arrogant. Um, that's what I was looking for. And and sure, she's just sure of herself. She's she's. Well, she feels like she, she can, can control, control everything around her. She's got no qualms and no hesitation and no doubt about her ability to control everything that's going on around her in her palace. Yeah, and people especially, I think, and she she. And, they talk about then she talks about taking his will away. She's not worried because she'll take his will away. Um, yeah, she said, I'll put his mind to sleep and smother his will with love. So that's when I was kind of like, hmm, does she mean love or does she mean? And then this, sex? then Mars actually <laughs> challenges her on that. Yeah. She's like, call it appetite if you wish. Yes. Well, and I laughed when I read this because I remembered you. Uh, and even even in the um, in Garion's view, you said, you know, I don't know whether she wants to, you know, seduce him or eat him. It's right. been tied up ever since she came into the story. This, this you know, she's been described as, um, it's been this sensation of wanting to devour the the you know the person and i yeah. i you know what this makes me think of is in american gods the neil gaiman story one of the goddesses i do i don't remember her name but um she has the i'm not sure if she has the vagina dentata or you know the teeth vagina but she consumes her lovers like her her vulva literally opens up and consumes the lover. And that's how she, um, mm. I don't know, that's how she get, gets her power. Yeah. And this just made me think of that. Like, does she want to yeah. seduce them or eat them? And it really brought up that image. And I need to, I'll put it in the show notes, the goddess that I'm referring to, and see if I can find a clip from the television show. It's, oh, brilliant story i read the books i haven't finished i haven't read watched the whole tv series but the books are brilliant the book mm -hmm. is brilliant hmm. i haven't heard of those I'll have to look into oh them. my goodness you've not heard of them at all no so it's one book I know Neil Gaiman. yeah it's a it's brilliant okay. it's one book or it's a and it was a 
it's not on Netflix. It must be on one of the other things, but there's a series, American Gods, and it is just way out there. It's trippy as all hell. It's brilliant. Mm. I feel like I heard <laughs> the name of that show. Yeah. The book is called American Gods too. Yep. Well. I really liked okay. it. Okay. I do like Neil Gaiman. So I found the book much I less confusing. <laughs> like I started to watch the TV series, but it felt confusing. I don't remember feeling that when I read the book. Mm, okay. Yeah, I'll check out the book first for sure. So then, so she, then yeah. yeah, she wants to have Gary and bathe because he smells. And she wants to, I guess, start having her way with him. I don't know. Yeah, so she doesn't like the lawn smells, you know, boats and tar and salt water. And she yeah. wants she wants all of that stripped off him. So she calls for Sadi and um, he leads Gary in a way to the place where he, he's, he's um, soaped, uh, you know, cleaned and oils are rubbed into his body and... Um, a brief loincloth is tied around his waist. And I keep trying to picture Gary in, in a brief loincloth with an oiled up body. And then the next part, um, he, he, he's getting makeup put on, like rouge on his cheeks. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, he's... he's eyes are being painted up and that sort of thing and I, I for the life of me I can't picture it you can't picture him like that no I can't because he's too innocent right to be that like gothed out <laughs> I guess I guess my I guess I the reason I can't is because I can't make it it looks awkward like it doesn't look attractive i, can I can't it. make it look attractive in my head i i can see it as kind of like a goth look of like you know he's obviously yeah. just gonna look awkward because it's not him but it, but i guess i mean but he's like, in a stupor so it's it's not yeah. it's not like it's gary and walking around like gary and no, that's this true look. that's true it's like he's drugged, he's this drugged out boy. Yeah, that's true. And I've seen like my like 15-year-old boys going to school, they are boff and tall. And I think yeah. I keep trying to imagine Garion as a little boy. He's like 10. <laughs> but he's really not. He's like really 16. No. Yeah. 16-year-olds are, boys are, they're already, yeah. look, a lot of them already look like men. Oh, they totally do. So I think that's my hang-up. Like, I keep my Gary and, you know, my Gary <laughs> Yeah. I think that, yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, he has a moment of being kind of aware that he is naked in a room full of women. There should be something wrong with that, but... He can't really figure out what it is. Yeah. And so he just doesn't care anymore again. <laughs> no, that's right. <laughs> uh, so uh, he gets taken back into the throne room and sat down in the 
cushions beside the queen's divan and then Samistra begins to, you know, play with him, you know, brush her hands across his chest and get all horny basically. Yeah, so she's like seducing him. She's getting all into it and he's even starting to like feel a little bit about that pull too. He's touching her skin, admiring her hair and all of that stuff. And mm -hmm. she just keeps using her sweet talk to try <laughs> and, to get him to and her body. Whatever she's trying to get him to do. Yeah. Yeah. Her body has no hair. <laughs> yeah. She's, and she's then, very proud of that. Hairless like a serpent. Except for yeah. her head. Yeah. <laughs> and then she wants him she wants him to guess how old she is which i thought was interesting mm -hmm. so yeah so he guesses that she's probably 30 she gets offended she's like i'm no more than 23 clearly i don't look more than 23 but i'm actually 60 and so it's almost like she wants to just i don't know shock the, the sake of shock to, to or have somebody tell her oh, no there's no way you could be 60 to like boost her ego even more which gary does know. like oh, no i would never believe that yeah and and um, that that she really gets excited about like she's like really gets into him after that and and you can see like her breathing changes and she sort of almost starts panting and I love the colors under her skin that, you know, her body starts, I don't know. It's almost like I've seen reptiles and other creatures, uh, their colors change with their uh, temperature and their moods. Like they, mm -hmm. and I might yeah. actually look that up. Uh, that might be the random fact. Yeah, that would be. And then her little snake uh, moss, he's not little, but he comes and like starts blending in with her. Yeah, so the and modeling gross. of her skin <laughs> under her gauzy gown, mm -hmm. it's almost starts rippling like purple and green and it matches Moss's scales and you can't tell where he ends and she begins. And I, that's, that's cool. And like Moss is like, just adoring her and he's like comes alive like it talks about his eyes his dead eyes suddenly coming awake when her this mottling happens with her and so it's almost so it's like I think you said when we first met these characters it seemed like they were partners like they were lovers this the Marsa and Salmistra right and this really seems like it again here. Like they are the real partnership yeah. here. Yeah, I get that too. Yeah. And Garyan is like, that's where he starts to feel like if he wasn't in the stupor, he would probably be terrified right now, but he can't bring himself to really care yeah. other than observe what's happening. And she tells him to come closer. She won't hurt him. Uh and then this is when they get interrupted. Uh-huh. Thank goodness, right? Because what would have happened to Gary and <laughs> well, had there not been an interruption. So yeah, so Kachuchik comes in 
Well, he's called uh, Sadi introduces him as the emissary of Tar Urgus, who's king of the Murgos. And um, okay, yeah. So, uh, Salmistra seems to have a thought, like um, she's annoyed at being interrupted, and it's almost like she's on the verge of denying him entry. And then she has this thought, and she like gets a little malicious grin on her face. And uh, the, the mottling fades and she tells him to, to bring the Grollum in. So she knows that, that two chicks are Grollum. What did you think of all this? Mm, I didn't think very much about it. Just that, uh, you know, the dry voice comes back. So he clearly knows that Garion might react in some way by seeing two chick again. Oh, you know um, what I've just so realized? Did we know that it was Tuchik in the harbour? What? Like back when... She's... Did, was that in the text anyway? They're, about... They're talking about the harbour in... What's the name? It's this the tall. Place. Okay. It's this tall. Yeah, I had no idea. I had no idea. I can't remember if we were told that or not, but here the dry voice says carefully now, that's the one we saw at the harbour, referring to Ktuchi. Right. Hmm. I don't remember ever. Well, ever listeners, being listeners and old, old, old readers of the Bulgarian, can you remember if we were told that Ktuchi was one of the people on the um, wharf? When we're having all of that shenanigans with the slaves and the, just before Garion and Paul had their big blow up. Um, just a little point, but if anyone can chuck it out there, that would be great. Yeah, so he wants to speak with her in private and she's telling him that, no, these are my people, that we're one kind of thing. Yeah, like she's never left alone. This is as alone as you're going to get me. Yeah. So they start talking about Garion as if he weren't there for a minute. Um, Hang on. You know what? Here we go. It's all clear. So this emissary, so here she says, addressing the Grollum. Is your errand here on behalf of Tao Ergos or of Ktuchik? So this Mergo is there as a representative of both the king and the Mergo and the Grolem High Priest, who is Ktuchik. So it's mm. not actually Ktuchik there, it's just his representative. Okay. Okay. I'm happy now. <laughs> Yeah, that makes sense. So he, because so Katushik's the one that wants Garion. Yes. And so she's asking, Salmisra's asking, what's he prepared to offer? And his eternal friendship is what this this Mergo says. That's I was kind I was even like, really? Like, really? I mean, that like, <laughs> That's a bit lame. And then he's like, well, gold then. And she's like, I have no interest in that red gold or whatever it is mm -hmm. that, you know, changes your mind and stuff. Mm -hmm. And so she um, puts in her, like what she would want. Yeah. 
in exchange. And she wants to be the one who marries Torak when he awakes. Yeah. Right? She does. In exchange for immortality. So if Torak will marry her and make her immortal, she'll give him Belgarian. And um, like the Grollum's already sort of has tried to taunt her a little bit by saying, are you sure you want to take this tack? You've already made Polgara your enemy. You know, are you really sure you want to piss off Tuchik as well? And she's very like, yeah, I'm not afraid of Polgara <laughs> or of Tuchik. Right. So you can see here that she just, like, she's pretty, she's pretty, um, oh, what's the word? Predatory and calculating and mm-hmm. um, just all about her. Yeah. And here they talk a little bit then about Grollum tries to say, you know, the dragon god of Angarak is asleep. And so Mistress is sort of like, well, yeah, he's not going to sleep forever. And I can see the signs. You, Grollums and the sorcerers of Aloria just seem to forget that I know a little bit of this magic stuff too and I can read the signs as clearly as anyone. And I know that things are changing and Torax um, yeah. starting to wake up. Um, so there's a little bit of a insight there into the fact that yeah she does she must have some kind of power yeah i agree and um she convinces the golem to deliver the message yeah um, and then i was interested with the dry voice when it says in the garyan's mind it says so that's it i should have known i suppose yeah, after he's heard some mistress proposal, what she wants. So he was just confirming the, what she wanted. I think so. Okay. And then Mas, in whatever way that he has, he hears, like he's aware that something's happened inside Gary and like the dry voice has been active mm-hmm. and tries to warn some mistress. Yeah, he says its mind is awake. Yes. I like that. Its mind is awake. And then she tells him to remove the ornament around his neck because they think that's what's powering the mind. Mm-hmm. And, and that's so his amulet that tries... Wolf gave him. Yeah. 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 And Moss tries to go in to do that, but yeah. there's a bright blue well, spark. The, the, the... That... Before that happens, the voice in Garion's mind tells him to just stay very still and don't try to fight. So more of that, you know, mm-hmm. allowing this yeah. higher self or dry voice. We don't really know what it is yet to act through Garion. Yeah. So it takes over, it seems, and that blue spark comes out of the amulet when the snake tries to go in for it and it it's just the snake starts sizzling and once the spark is gone from him the snake is dead mm-hmm. it's so like sudden and yeah. and and i still think like even i i mean i know it's gonna happen and it happened this time and again i'm like oh but i wanted to know more about him <laughs> i don't want him to be dead <laughs> <laughs> it was interesting <laughs> yeah i know he was 
but yeah, so that's that that happens, and the Samistra is, you know, about to cry out in agony and and mourn the snake's death. Yeah, she's probably really, lash out at somebody. She's really upset, but she doesn't have time to because this other person runs in to say the sun is gone. Yeah, the world is ending. <laughs> and I love, I love. This is must be my favorite favorite word in this chapter. Maybe the whole book. My queen, a shaved head functionary, gibbered from the door. Gibbered. That's such a great <laughs> word. We should all use it in a sentence somewhere today. Huh? Gibbered. The world is ending. It's like, you know, chicken little what? running around. The sky is, is falling. G- the sky I... is falling. I know. Is it? How does this fall? I already shut my book. Is it G or J? It's a G. I say gibbered. G. Gibbered isn't right. Gibbered. <laughs> gibbered it has to be gibbered yes definitely and um yeah so it's apparent so it sounds like some sort of eclipse or something like noon is as dark as midnight and the sun has gone out the city has gone mad with terror oh what will happen next Mm -hmm. find out next week that's a wait i mean technically i could read it tonight if i wanted to no you can't read it I would know. I would know if you did that. But can't I just read the next chapter now that we've already discussed this one? No. Why? (laughs) No. You do it properly. You wait till next week. There are two more chapters in this book. Read it next week. I know, but I would just read the one chapter for... Okay. It's just the one chapter that I wasn't reading ahead. No, you read it the day before we do the show or the day of the show, and then you write your notes, and it's all fresh in your mind. Okay. I got it. Okay. <laughs> oh, I'm so strict. It's okay. Uh, I'm sorry. The next chapter is totally worth the wait. So, yes, very, very, very good. And now we're up to the magic of the chapter. And I really liked the mottling display of Selmistra's body when she's aroused. I really enjoy that um, whole description of her with masks and the physical transformation that overcomes her when she's sexually aroused um right because it, it just seems to be that feels like her power center where she feels most powerful inside her ability to control people and her her overwhelming sensuality and sexuality sexual hunger is is the way that she controls and so i just really like the way that she's totally that in like her character is so that I think it's really well done. Um, so, yep, that was my magic. I like the way that it all sort of like she she almost shape shifts a little bit into a more serpent-like figure. Yeah, that was a good one. Yeah. I chose the, the snake moss, his ability to read people's minds, it seems, the way he was aware when Garion, his mind was awake mm-hmm. or what was happening in his mind a little bit. But that was pretty cool. 
Very cool. And uh, my real life relating is the underwater kind of it when it at the start of the chapter it talks about Gary and feeling like he's underwater, like everything around him is kind of undulating like seaweed in the current because he's you know off his tits, and and so <laughs> I'd related to that because after I had I had wisdom teeth like surgery dental surgery all four of my wisdom teeth out and I have pancreatitis and so I can't take codeine it sets it would it used to set me off and so I was prescribed endone which is like um the, it, the its active ingredient is oxycodone <laughs> so I'm like taking these yeah. kick-ass painkillers and um, I would take like one every six six hours or something, something like that. Oh, I can't remember. Anyway, I couldn't even put that in my body. But anyway, so I had my my mum was staying with me, looking after me, and so I was just like it was it was the, the sensation is like. I would take it, I would feel a tiny little bit nauseated and then it, that would fade and then it would be like all of my stitches, like all of my limbs, my head and my arms and all of my joints just undid and just floated away from my body. It was delightful. I really liked it. <laughs> and <laughs> I, I got to the stage where I was really, I started really looking forward to my next dose so it's <laughs> so it's really good that I um didn't need to take them anymore because I started to like yeah. it a little bit too much yeah um but yeah <laughs> so, I really, so I've got them like I've got those painkillers um in tucked away in the bathroom because if I ever do get a flare-up of pancreatitis the pain is excruciating like it's Oof. the level of pain that i can only equate with labor of like childbirth the labor of childbirth yeah. it's the only other equivalent pain that i've ever experienced in my life and so i keep them there because yeah i would need one <laughs> if that happened um but yes yeah, so i don't well, take the thing anymore. is that you don't go down there and, yeah no, you no. don't go down there and take one just for the sake of taking one, though. Yeah. That's the and important thing. It's interesting. I had an interesting conversation with um, an acquaintance of mine who is an ex-addict. Um, mm. And I was telling her, you know, yeah, but I really liked it. I know I really like it. And she said, yeah, but the difference is you stopped. Yeah. You don't right. take them, even though you know you like it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, my real life relating, well, personal here, but I know I, I understand the feeling of feeling kind of torn between lust, but then also being a little bit afraid mm -hmm. of like when you're in that moment of mm -hmm. like it's about to happen. Um, and not not in like my marriage relationship in any way, but with other people I was involved with uh, other when I was younger, mm -hmm. other times. And I think everyone's kind of been there. 
you know, yeah. when you're, you're with, you're about to be with somebody, you know, is not good for you, but <laughs> it's still like, yeah. like, I'm kind of afraid of what might come out of this, but I'm going to do it anyways. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it's exciting. It's part of the excitement. Yeah. And I think that's a normal thing that everyone goes through in like their youth as I you're so. figuring things out. I went through that a number of times. <laughs> I may have been the scary part of the hookup. Just saying. Brothers. <laughs> There's a lot of cell mystery in me, in past me. <laughs> yeah. So. I can see it. TMI? Never. <laughs> yeah. okay. Prophecy speaks, my darling. Hey? Yeah. No, I was done. I just oh. said that was mine. Okay. So this week I'm asking... What if I worked on Emerald on Her Tongue, which is a magic, a magical realism novel that I'm drafting, that I put on pause to work full-time on A Goddess Course in Miracles, which is the course that I'm running this year and I'm putting together the content as we go so that by the end of the year, I'll have all of the content done, like so all of the text, all of the vocals, all of the everything put together but it's really intensive it's really heavy work and i can't do a whole day in the text um, um like, oh, i mean i i could do a whole series this is the, the course goes for an entire year and it's really transformative text and so getting into it and editing it every day, all day is just too much. Like feel like my brain is going yeah. to either implode into a black hole somewhere in the center of my forehead and I will disappear completely or I'm just going to explode <laughs> and there'll be nothing left of me. So I just wonder, you know, is it, uh, and I know from past experience that trying to concentrate on two big projects at the same time has historically not been a great choice for me. I tend to end up doing nothing, like not really engaging in either of them. And it's just not an option for me not to engage in the coursework. I have to get that done. But I just, and I, but I don't just want to do random fuckery for the rest of the day when I'm not working on that. I want to, kind of be productive um and so i'm just wondering you know do i start working on the novel again do a bit of a writing session or something and so my question is what if i worked on emerald on her tongue what if i worked on the book at the same time as i'm working on the course what does my life look like if i do that what you know where does mm -hmm. that decision take me if that's what I do. Yeah. And so I just grabbed this book off my shelf. It's called My Name is Legion by A.N. Wilson. Actually, really want to read it now. 
punches from <laughs> looking at the cover. It's this brilliantly inventive, terrifyingly funny. So I'm like, ooh, now I want to read it. Anyway, <laughs> so <laughs> let's see what the universe has for me today. Vivian Chell was 15 years older than Lennox. So on this encounter, he was little more than 30. So many times in the intervening decades, Lennox had closed his eyes and seen that street in Kanikara. And seen that street, a gust of wind blowing a dust cloud along the road, shoeless children running, clutching the skirts of this enormously tall, gaunt Englishman who wore a white cassock like the Pope's. And here he was again, 40 years on, in Bermondsey, bellowing justice for Zinaria. The crowd, which was about half African, took up the cry. And then Chell began to chant Alkawari, the name of the opposition party, whose leader, Professor Galwanga, the Zinarian Gandhi, was regularly lampooned in the Legion newspapers. Alkawari drawled Vivian Chell's unmistakably aristocratic tones. Alkawari, Alkawari. That adolescent encounter beneath the great brooding brick church of the Holy, Re Holy Redeemer was something which Lennox Mark had been trying to forget for his entire life. He had fallen completely under the priest's spell. The headmaster had given him permission for the purposes of collecting information for the magazine article to stay one night in Kanikara. Karkara, Kanikara. Kanikara. There we go. In the event, for nearly four weeks, the boys stayed and worked in the mission in the shanty towns. He had slept on a straw pallet, as the priests did. He had risen earlier than dawn to pray with them and to wait for God in the darkness and silence of the African night. Then before the first light, he had served Father Vivian's mass, an unforgettable, highly charged spiritual experience. And the day would begin the exhausting and unfolding life of a poor parish in an African industrial suburb suburb the monks helped to run a hospital many of the patients young men okay i think i just got it there in the middle there he rose earlier than dawn to pray with them and to wait for god in the darkness and silence of the african night then before first light he, he had served father vivian's mass Okay, so the course I'm working on is all about goddess. And so I can see that connection there. It's really, um, <laughs> I'm, I'm reading from the book here, it's, it's, it's unforgettable. It's highly charged spiritual experience. When I'm working on this course, when I'm editing it, that's exactly what it's like. And then the day would begin. So it's like, so my life would look like I would, I could have this 
really intense work that I do. And then the day would begin the exhausting and unfolding life. <laughs> so I think I might exhaust myself if I try. Yeah, that's what I was getting out of it is that. And I've. Uh, that's not the I answer I, really, I wanted. I relate to this in my life right now. Okay, so it's okay. We we. Okay, we identify as writers. So if we're not writing, we feel guilty. But isn't it true? I cannot remember this woman's name that I heard in an interview once, but isn't it true that there are so many successful authors out there who only write seasonally yeah. every year? Yep, it's true. And maybe Various this year is is your year to write seasonally because yeah. this is this work that you're doing with this course is changing people's lives right now and it's going to continue once you have this all created you don't have to keep recreating it it's already there yeah. but it's going to continue to change people's lives every single year as new people enroll and and I so it's important work yes it's important work it's it's and part of your journey as a writer too. It's gonna, you're gonna grow as a writer because of it. And I'm writing, like this is writing. The stuff that I'm doing right. for the course, it is writing. Yeah, it's a lot of writing. <laughs> it's a lot of writing and editing. And in actual fact, I think it's gonna be an audio book, all the audio I'm producing. Mm -hmm. I mean, all of this content is gonna transform in many different ways. It's gonna grow your business but it's also going to benefit your author work so like, really and, I mean yeah. and how much longer do you anticipate this is going to be a daily thing for you I was trying to estimate it today I'm going to be I mean I thought I'd be done by the end of February I don't I'll be think I'll be lucky if I'm done by the end of March lucky Okay. Like, I think that it's just going to take as long as it takes and I need to stop trying to force myself. But it, I, I would see it probably wrapping up by the end of April. Yeah. Right? Oh, yeah, I would and expect so. And so that's, you know, the first part of the year is, is your dedication to this, but then you're going to still have the rest of the year yeah, after true. that. True. I'm like that's, that's the, more than half the year it's not the answer i wanted <laughs> i know but but I, it's the answer i needed yeah yeah and i get it because i i'll battle with myself too on certain things that are, are going on in my day that have to be dealt with or that i need to do or that are extremely important for my mental and emotional health and then I, I know I tell myself I need to write, but I don't want to. I don't feel like it's there. And it's a matter of uh, telling myself too that maybe right now, I know when I, when my, it's my season to write, I sit down and I do the writing. I know this because I did it last year. Yeah, you did. Last year was my season to write. 
And this yeah. year it's going to have a season two. I know yeah. it is. Yeah. It's just right now it's a lot of up and down, back and forth going within. <laughs> um, so I yeah, do this. So I, okay. I, give, I give myself over to the project and then I come out of it and try to talk myself out of it again. Mm -hmm. Like I'm not doing enough. That's exactly it. Feeling like you're not doing enough. And it's really not this, true. This, it's this not talk true. we just had about doing, right? Doing versus being. Yeah. You're doing so much. And it's it's good doing though. It's inspired doing. It's the right kind of doing. But you have to allow time for being yeah. in your day. Like it's like a that lot. is crucial. It's a lot of work. <laughs> and if you try to jump right into like writing, writing a book yeah which is also a lot of work <laughs> yeah okay i'll 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 just ease up on myself thank you thank you why don't you just allow some like fun journal sessions about your book instead that aren't like necessarily writing it but that are still keeping your mind active about it i like that idea just like just like 10 15 30 minutes not even every day but just a few times a week that idea and that way when you go to sit down and write you can open the journal up like, oh yeah i had that yeah. idea that's that's good <laughs> i like that idea a lot thank you and that keeps it light and yeah that feels nice fun that it's feels fun. good like going back to read your book again you're like oh i get to go journal again yay okay cool thank you you're welcome all right so my prophecy is a heavy one for me I know I said last week, this one is one I need to, to hash out. Okay, so I have, and I can't go into that much detail and I don't mean to be vague. I just am trying to be respectful of the people in my life. But there is personal space. I feel like my space is being smothered right now. And it's not intentional by this person at all. And is somebody who lives in my house with me so it is very much like, I need my space. And I know that there's a conversation that needs to happen too about all of this. So I keep pushing it back because I hope the issue will resolve itself because I'm kind of scared to initiate it myself. So what I'm just asking for is guidance. I don't have a specific question, but like, um, just guide me on this situation. Does that work? Mm -hmm. um, I'm Do you want the guidance on the conversation or the situation? The situation, because I'm still, I'm still kind of like, this could resolve itself. Like it really could. Okay. <laughs> and what if I step in too soon and create chaos when it's not necessary? Anyways, I'm using the Night Circus. Aaron Morgenstern is the author. Great book. I love this book. Um, oh, being of the chapter that is titled Movement. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I can never pronounce this guy's name. So I'm just going to call him T. T is always pleased when the circus arrives in his native Germany, but this time he is particularly delighted that it has arrived quite, quite near Munich. So there's no need for him 
to secure rooms in another city. Also, he has been promised a visit from Miss Celia Bowen. He has never met her, though they have been exchanging letters for years, and she expressed an interest in seeing his workshop, if he would not mind. Friedrich replied that, of course, he did not mind in the least. I think that's the same man I called T. Um, and she would be welcome at any time. Despite so many letters, each carefully filed in his office, he is uncertain what to expect when she arrives. He is astonished to find the woman he knows as the illusionist standing in his doorway. She is unmistakable, though she wears a gown of dusty rose rather than the black and white creations he is accustomed to seeing her in. Her skin appears warmer, hair, her hair softly curled, and her hat bears no distinctive silk top hat that he would know her face anywhere. This is an honor, he says, by way of greeting. Most people don't recognize me outside of the circus, Celia says as he takes her hand. Then most people are fools, he says, lifting her hand to his lips and lightly kissing the back of her glove. Though I feel a fool myself for not knowing who you were all this time. <laughs> How's that, babe? <laughs> I just have to read this next part because it's, I think it's important. She says, I should have told you, Celia says, I do apologize. And he says, no apology necessary. I should have guessed you were not merely a, some French word, from the way you wrote about the circus. You know every corner better than most. Okay. Um, so this is guidance about the situation. I feel like this conversation that's taking place here in this text is very resemblant of the conversation I would have if I were to take action in some ways with this person. Uh, the idea of, it would almost be like by taking action, I would be revealing who I really am. <laughs> Um, not the black and white anymore, but this rose-colored person. Mm -hmm. And, but the cool thing is, is that this text, there is a lot of acceptance in her re revealing that. Yes. And so, how's that? Feel? That I can feel like the tears coming. Yeah. <laughs> I can feel the tears coming. Like I just feel, it would be it'd be such a sense of relief to be able to speak what I need to speak and be accepted. Yeah. And, and that's what this is telling me. <laughs> that's way so. too perfect, huh? Yeah. So I am grateful for the guidance because I think it's exactly, it's definitely exactly what I hope for, you know. So maybe, maybe not what you expected. No, but what you hope not for. what I expected. Yeah, yeah. Well, my hope has always been that if I take action on this, hmm. that I will be accepted. That I won't be, you know. 
Thank you, universe. Yeah. Grateful for that. Give us a prediction okay. for the next chapter. Oh, right. first I of all, we're checking. We're checking about okay. last week first. Um, I said Garion will devise some clever escape with the help of the dry voice and whatever other protection he has. Uh, maybe Wolf will save the day too. So, all right. I don't know if I'm right, but I feel like I'm right because I still feel like that was Mr. Wolf that created the sun to go out. I'll tell you what, you can have uh, uh, one point because he had the help of the dry boys. Yes, he did. Um, okay, so next week, I'm saying next chapter that Mr. Wolf has arrived and he's the one that's turned day, oh, I don't know what I meant to say there, the day into darkness in order to rescue Garion. And that we're going to see some kind of epic battle. Like it's going to be Pole and, and Belgarath and and Silk and all of them with Salmistra's little army that she's got going. And I'm really looking forward to reading it next week. <laughs> Me too, especially if that's what's going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so that's the end of our episode, dear listeners. So the hashtag for this episode is gibbered. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Thank you, Alicia. <laughs> yeah. I thought that was a good one. <laughs> that's, a, that's such a good word. Um, you will find all the extended show notes, which will have links to everything, on our website, belgariatandbeyond.goddesskindle.com. Um, so head over there and check everything out and sign up to our mailing list. Um, you can leave a voice message for us, links in the show notes, and just let us know if you don't want your message uh, to be included in the show. You can email belgariatandbeyond at gmail.com with all your questions and comments. We're on Facebook and Instagram at belgariatandbeyond. You can come in there and pop public comments on our Facebook page, have some conversations. And Alicia and I are indie artists. So the best way that you can support this show is to become a patron. You can find out more at patreon.com forward slash belgariatandbeyond. And something that patrons get is a bonus show called bonus episodes called before the show. And that contains all of the stuff that we talk about before the show and after the show. And that comes together in a neat little 15 to 20 minute episode every week that patrons get to hear. So it's like, it's a little bit on the, it's a little bit behind the scenes, a little bit more intimate. Um, So yeah, that's just one of the things that you get when you're a patron. And uh, this week, this, this episode is brought to you by Alicia's Instagram um, <laughs> at underscore Alicia Seymour, where she shares quotes from her books and how they tie into real life and awakening. Yeah, I had to wing this one because I realized like, oh, shoot, it's my week and I didn't figure this out. So I just put this in right now. But I do think it's really a valuable place to check in sometimes because it is like I'm going through my books and pulling these quotes out 
and I'm sometimes I stun myself to be like, I do not remember writing this. <laughs> this is really awesome. <laughs> like, and it teaches me in that moment. Yeah. And I'm like, I have to share this. So I just started doing that and pulling quotes from all of the books I've written, mm-hmm. fiction or nonfiction, and and making little pretty quote cards and putting them up on my account and like yeah. sharing the insight I've gotten from rereading it. Yeah. How it applies to my awake my awakening journey, because that's a big passion of me too, is to share that with others who are ready to begin that journey is maybe a little just a little light to be like hey it's, yeah. it's this way but you find your own path but this was a light to help you kind of thing yeah so and it's really beautiful yeah. writing and really vulnerable sharing also from Alicia so yeah. well worth checking out there will be a link in the show notes to Alicia's Instagram account go check it out and follow her yes so thank you. I'd love, for, I'd love to see you guys there. Yeah. Thank you for another beautiful episode, Alicia. Yeah, it was really good. Really good. And I needed it. <laughs> all the laughter and all that helps yeah. me, especially today. So. Yeah. And thank you, everyone, for tuning in again, getting all the way to the end of the episode. We love you very much. Yeah. <laughs> it's so fun to have you guys with us. Well, be in your ears again next week. Come back. Yes.